We continue our conversation with Lawrence Lemer, has over 18 books to his credit. His newest book is Capote's Women, a true story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an era. And um, he's written many, many books. Uh, I'll tell you what, um, uh, last time we were together, I was interviewing uh, uh, Lawrence about his Mar-a-Lago inside the gates of power, Donald Trump's presidential palace, and he was so forthcoming the day after he was on my show. He was persona non grata. The last I heard, though, you were you 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 were you were persona non grata, but your wife could still go. But you're saying now that Donald has said neither one of you. Yeah, my wife is a big Trump supporter, but she's been kicked out too. That makes no sense whatsoever. The lynching, the epic courtroom battle that brought down the Klan, uh, the price of justice, true story of greed and corruption. Uh, let's see um, the Ar- the life of Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, the the fate of of an American dynasty, Sons of Camelot. And that's, I presume that's about the Kennedys, or the Kennedy men, the laws of the father, three chords of the truth, the Kennedy women, sag of an American family. Uh, it just goes on and on. As time goes by, the life of Ingrid Bergman, make believe the story of Nancy and Ronald Reagan. And uh, let's see, so it goes on and on. Um, well, the, uh, the paper revolution, the rise of the underground press. I do want to, I want to broach that subject because it seems like there's a code that has melted away. Uh, where, where are the true journalists? Well, you know, when I came down to Palm Beach 30 years ago, the Palm Beach Post was a terrific newspaper, okay? It was, it was a liberal paper, but, you know, fine, the great liberal papers, the great conservative papers, I don't care as long as they practice journalism. Like the mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal practices great journalism. Mm-hmm. It's a conservative paper. But it was a terrific paper with uh, you know, co- great local columnists and investigative reporting. And now it's just a shell of itself. It's nothing. Why would you, why would you pay money to read this thing? There's nothing left. And that's, that's true almost everywhere. And the devastating consequences to our society. I mean, the papers kept us honest. If you're thinking about stealing, you always had to know, well, is, is, is that reporter going to find out about this? Well, you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, the uh, the journalist should be the watchdog of our society. Right. Very, yeah. Yeah, he definitely should be. And uh, and now you've got the the New York Times. I still give in and buy the Sunday once in a while, but uh, you can't really trust uh, the New York Times anymore. Well, the kind of quote unquote objective journalism that you and I grew up with mm-hmm. is pretty much dead. But you know what? I have a uh, Lawrence Lemer. Uh, you know, uh, I have great hope for this generation coming up. I think I think we have a brilliant generation coming up. I know people want to. They say, "Oh, there's a lazy." Gen-. There's always been a lazy. Was it Shakespeare or was it Socrates that said, "Oh my God, this next generation coming up is a terrifying generation"? Do you remember who that was? I don't remember. Don't but you heard the quote, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, so uh, don't you think they'll come along and rectify this? Hopefully. Well, my brother's an economist, he's a prominent American economist at UCLA, mm-hmm. and he says that what we've left to this gen- next generation in terms of debt is overwhelming. How are they going to come back from that? And, how, and how, if you, how, how if you don't have rich parents, how do you buy a house? When, how do you buy a starter house? You don't do it. You need to have parents that give you the bunning. Well, I would say that's even true for my part. I mean, it was uh, $10,000 left over from the inheritance I got from my grandmother, which was my first down payment. Everybody needs some sort of a, a hand up, it seems. Well, we need more than a hand up if you've got $200,000 in college debts. Yeah. 
Well, how do you feel about that? Uh, uh, by the way, I, I, at 67 years of age, I just went back to college. I was on the dean's list for two semesters. Wow. I never, I was always a C student and, wow. you know. Great I know student. my brother would say, who makes a lot of money yeah. at UCLA, yeah. and I know how much he made because I could see in the the state that the state that he was making four hundred fifty thousand dollars a year as a professor. Four hundred and fifty thousand yep. dollars a year as a professor. Yep. And that was just part of what he was earning. How does that happen? That's the, that's what that, that's what goes on. The, the top professors make that kind of money, and uh, and uh, and my brother says it's wrong. My brother says that these tuitions have gone up because it's a total scam. And, and also the ways these universities have changed. I live two blocks from George Washington University. I mean, do you remember what a dorm, when I remember what my dorm room was, room was like? Mm-hmm. It was just a shoddy little place, but who cared? You were, you were a college student. Now, now I, I'd move into one of those dorm, dorm rooms at George Washington and live there. They're absolutely luxur- luxurious. Well, and, and also you've got these... these, these uh Universities begging for money when they've got a billion dollars in in the uh, right in and, the bank. And, and and all these administrators room after room full of administrators and the and the and the teachers don't even teach the 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 aides the assistants do the teaching the the the, uh, the professors are too busy I don't, I don't know what they're too busy doing but they don't want to do anything what does your brother well he's a professor what does he teach to earn four hundred and fifty thousand dollars base salary economics. And I, I probably shouldn't even mention this, but uh, mention it because, but but you know he's he's not that unusual. That that's the point. When I saw that, I was surprised. But you go down that list, and you can't believe the salaries these people are getting. This is a state institution. Yeah, well, there's always been big money in education. Really. Well, look, mean, look what the presidents. I mean, they're, they're getting several million dollars a year. The presidents of these universities and colleges getting how much? Several million. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad because with the love of money, you have corruption and uh, whatever. Maybe they feel they have to. I just don't know how these things graduate, how they elevate to such a professor getting four hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year. It just seems outrageous. Right, know? exactly. Can we turn it off for a second? Yeah, it's your phone ringing there. Uh, well, can, we're t- we're talking by the way with Lawrence Lemer, and uh, he's the New York Times bestselling author, The Kennedy Women. He also right. has now written Capote's Women. True story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an uh, era. And uh, I think it's very, very exciting. Light, the light doesn't go on. I'm at his home down here in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, on Ocean Drive. And uh, okay, continue on. Okay, all right. So uh, Lawrence, let's get back to Capote's women. I guess uh, the true story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an era. Why now? Obviously. As a marketing guy, you have to be directing this to people my age or older because people 50 and, and younger, uh, I mean, not that many people, they may have been, it may have been obligatory to read uh, in cold blood in school, but other than that, do they really care about Truman Capote? Well, I don't know. I mean, what I've, I'm getting all kinds of messages by young, from young people really? who, 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 are, who are reading it. And uh, so good. You just said you said you said you like the young generation. Well, uh, there you go. I mean, they, uh, uh, you know, I just got an email today from somebody in Texas going on and on about it. Young, a young man. And uh, by the way, if people want to email you, do they just go to your website? You have your own website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you actually read them yourself. What else? What else? 
as, as far as talking about challenge, by the way, if you don't mind my asking, and anything you don't want to answer, you can always not answer. Okay. You know, it's like one time I was at Trump's house, and I was, uh, hello, I'm Red Palmer. His wife has just come in here. I was at uh, Trump's house, and uh, his wife's ex-house, and I was with his daughter, the tall, thin blonde, and uh, we happened to be just sitting around like you and I are, and yeah. everybody's gravitated to another portion. First of all, there wasn't a comfortable chair in the whole house. Secondly, I said to her, I said, do you mind if I ask you something personal? I said, how do you stay so thin? She says, I eat four hard-boiled eggs a day, but I only eat the, uh, the, the white. Wow. I, I thought, so it's all for show? I mean, yeah. you've been close to these people. Is this all for show, all the, the gold cabrio legs, et cetera? Well, I mean, with these women I wrote about in Capote's Women, these swans, I mean, anorexia was the occupational disease. You know, you, you can't stay that thin without eating less than you should. It may be being bulimic or whatever, but it's a sickness to be that thing. It's just, it, it, and it's, again, it's one of the major illnesses in our society when you see so many of these women, particularly teenagers, so appallingly thin. Well, you know, obviously your wife's here, you're a heterosexual guy like I am. I've always felt women needlessly, now they got this big thing with big butts and the breasts. I would never let somebody I love get too much surgery. It's so dangerous and it's really not necessary. Well, yeah, but these women are obsessed with it. And after a while, women don't dress and act for, for men, they act for other women. Yes. Yeah, I read a lady who wrote a book a few years ago in the New York Times bestseller, and she dressed up as a man. She says not only did uh, the women, the, the men didn't look at her, but the women didn't look at her. Uh, you know, whereas a woman, men and women look at her. But anyway, let's get back to Capote's women. So these, so these women, uh, you said anorexia is part of the, uh, part of the job. Yeah, I mean, to stay that thin and to look that gorgeous. And these women look spectacular. They could be 60 years old, and from a distance, you'd think they were 30. So what's the attraction of uh, Truman Capote? Uh, they had to know that he was gay. Well, that was one of the attractions, because their husbands weren't afraid of having him around their wives. And he loved beautiful things. And he could be around them because they were beautiful, because they were so rich, they had exquisite paintings and yachts and homes that he couldn't afford, but he could be there with them as much as often as he wanted to. Okay. Uh, I remember hearing uh, recently from the, um, the fellow who was the assistant to uh, Princess Diana, and she was saying she was aboard that, you know, that multi-billion dollar yacht, She's up on, out on the on the deck, and she says, "I am miserable here. It's icy cold inside. It's horrible out here. I don't want to be on this boat." And here, the whole world is thinking that Diana is every woman wants to be her, and yet she was miserable. Well, that's true with so many of these people. I mean, one thing I've learned writing all these books is don't be don't be envious of anybody. If you look clear, carefully, you'll see there's nothing to be envious about. Do you think there's oftentimes more happiness? In a, a more love and happiness in a smaller home than there is in a, you know, well, playing for prestige. The happiest man in America runs a hardware store in Topeka, Kansas. He goes bowling in the bowling on Thursday night. He goes to church on Sunday. He's got two kids. He's happy. Is his life kind of boring? Yes, but he's happy. Hmm. Okay, so um, what do you want people to know about Capote's women? Well, I'd like them first to admire Truman. Not, not just think about his, his drinking and his drugs, but admire the great writer he was and, 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 uh, 
you know, what could have been, what we lost because of his becoming so dissipated. And I'd like them to uh, appreciate these women and, uh, and, what, and what, what they did. In 1962, I worked for three months in, in Iowa, in, in Watcher, Iowa, on the Watcher Patriot Chronicle, weekly newspaper. And I observed that little, that little town so well. In the high school, the boys, the, the young men, wore blue jeans and, and white t-shirts with the sleeves rolled up. And the young women got these dresses that they would go to Sioux City and buy from J.C. Penney's, which was a very important institution then, that for 10 or $12, they were knockoffs of the, of, the, of the dresses at the Swans, the Truman Capote's elite women wore. And they identified with that. And this was their statement, that they, these young men wanted to become uh, farmers like their father. And these young women said, we don't want that. And wearing, wearing these dresses was a symbol. I want to, we want out of here. We want to do something different. In cold blood, I mean, I'm still thinking about what you, what I learned from you today, Lawrence Lemer, and that is that he fell in love with one of the murderers, and it was so devastating because it's, it's, he considered, he said it was a non-fiction novel, and he was so devastated after having written that 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 was going to be it. He he didn't, no more writing. No, 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 not, that's not true. It, took a, it just took him a while to get over it, but he continued writing after Oh, he that. did? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, look, so I get the wrong information. So um, what else would you like us to know about him before we close out today? You no, know, I think he's done a great job. Yeah? Okay. Well, listen, I want to thank you very much for inviting me into your home. And uh, Mrs. Lemer, nice to meet you. I'm Rhett Palmer, by the way. And uh, Lawrence, thank you very much again for uh, spending uh, some of your your uh, time with me and, and my listeners. I do very much appreciate it. Well, thanks for having me. It was, it was fun last time. It's fun this time. A true story of love, betrayal, and a swan song for an era. Capote's Women, the New York Times bestselling author of The Kennedy Women, Lawrence Lemer. I'm Red Palmer, the mayor of the airwaves. Who loves you, baby?